Hi everyone and welcome to AFL Daily. Sarah Ollie and Josh Gablich here with you. Josh, we had a very interesting experience going down to Waverley Park and just assessing where Hawthorne are at. And I know that you know this team rather intimately because it's one of your beat clubs. So you're down there looking at them on the track quite often. But for me, he only goes out there a few times a year. I was stunned with the number of faces I had to kind of double check. And I'm looking around going, this is a group of babies. We got the calculator out. On average next year, the players are going to be 22.1 years old. This is a really young side. And to give you some context, last year Adelaide was the youngest side, or I should say this season, in season 22, at 24. This is a much younger team, Josh, under Sam Mitchell. I love the maths, Sarah. (laughs) You and I were out there last Thursday morning. It was cold as well. First day of December, yeah, cold, yeah. Didn't wet. Didn't feel like it. It felt like the middle of July. Waverley Park always <laughs> delivers those sorts of conditions. And I've been out there a lot this year, and it has been tracking in this direction in terms of the youth. Mm-hmm. But it is now incredibly young, as you touched off the top, because that's what happens when you think about all the changes they made at the yeah. end of the season with Ben McAvoy retiring, with Liam Shields retiring, essentially not being offered another contract. That's why he's going to go and play for North Melbourne. And then the trade period with Jack Gunston going and Tom Mitchell going and Jago Amira going with a few minutes left on the clock on deadline day. They lost 1,046 games just with those five players. And then you factor in Tom Phillips and Daniel Howe. There's another couple of hundred games. They've lost so much experience. We understand what they're doing. Like, this is a, a full rebuild. But, wow, it's, it's amazing to think. I think 2023 is going to be quite difficult. But it's also going to be quite exciting because... I think we're going to touch on some of the draftees that arrived this week because it was a big week for Hawthorne last week. It was. So six new faces arriving via draft mechanisms and, of course, headlined by the two first-round picks in Cam McKenzie and, of course, Weddle. Now, Weddle was, of course, one of the picks that they traded up to get in that bidding frenzy with the Swans, which we will touch on. But yeah, they were doled out onto uh, Media Street when, were they were, when we were there, I should say, Josh, doing their first interviews and also doing their first kind of contact session with their teammates. But they look so little, these boys. And they are. They're 18 years old. They're just out of the system. But you'd think Mackenzie and Weddle, they'd be at the forefront of Sam Mitchell's plans for next year, wouldn't they? You'd think so right now, but you can't rule out the Henry Husweights of the world taking a big 37. But Cam McKenzie, there, there is a lot of excitement around him. And the story coming out of the draft is is his year in France. He spent yeah. uh, at the end of primary school, <laughs> him and his family, they went to France, the south of France, just in a little tiny village near Nice and spent a Sounds year there. Sounds beautiful. does sound great. I don't know if it would sound great if I was 12 and moving away from all my friends, but what a great <laughs> life experience. But we saw Cam McKenzie out of the club on Thursday and they're already calling, calling him Frenchy. Mais oui. <laughs> How's calling, your French? Uh, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> they're calling him Frenchy already. And you can just see he's he's so keen to get started. And in another year, he would be playing for St Kilda. He'd be at RACA Park this week. But the NGA rules have changed and St Kilda's loss is Hawthorne's gain. And as you said, the Josh Weddle move was, was really good because Hawthorne, from the moment the trade period ended, they wanted to get another second round, another first round pick. They wanted two inside the first round. They got that in the end, and they got Weddle, who really elevated himself the longer the year went on. So two really good picks there, and, and six in total. Now they're the babies in the team, but the uh, the grandfather 
at just 32 is Luke Bruce. He is the survivor from that premiership era. In fact, he is the only player now 30 or over on Hawthorne's list. Josh, you caught up with him. What were you touching on? Because there were a few topics you were fleshing out. Well, I first of all, I asked, did he have any friends left? Because <laughs> a lot of his best friends have left the club. Yeah. And, and Luke had the opportunity 12 months ago to go to Greater Western Sydney. It popped up very late in the trade period. He's been very open about this. He had 48 hours to make a decision. It was quite similar to Jay Gromira. It was essentially a d- two or three days to make a decision around his future Luke Bruce decided to stay. He wanted to be a long, uh, a one-club player. He's played 260 games now. There's every chance he gets to 300 games, which is quite incredible. But he's clearly the most experienced player on the list. There's only two players at Hawthorne right now that have played more than 150 games. Chad Wingard's the <laughs> other one. But Luke Bruce is the only player north of 30. In fact, Chad Wingard's only 29. So there's a fair gap now. But we covered plenty of different topics with Luke Bruce, including... Some time spent overseas during the off-season. He had a, a delayed honeymoon. Him and his partner, his wife, Anthea, they went to France and Italy. Here is Luke Bruce. Luke, a fair bit has changed at this football club. You're now the only premiership player, the only person over the age of 30. What's it like coming back to footy? Yeah, uh, certainly keeping me young at the moment. Uh, walk into the team meeting this morning and you see all the fresh faces and uh, introduce yourself to the new draftees and, and things like that. It's uh, Yeah, it's a bit surreal I guess uh, you look around the locker room to f- find a familiar face or someone to talk to and uh, they're not there anymore but I'm sure I'll build relationships and get around some of these younger guys and and obviously get around the teammates that I already have built significant relationships with and uh, we'll yeah we'll move forward and the the journey continues what were your thoughts during the trade period obviously close to Jay Gramira close to Jack Gunson they both left Tom Mitchell left Ben McAvoy retired so did Liam Shields, although he's going to come out of retirement. What was going through your head as all this happened during the trade period? Oh, to be honest, not much changed. I, I'd signed well before that uh, period. Mitch was on the phone uh, pretty quickly just to get my feelings and thoughts and, and where everything was at. So we had a really good good conversation uh, post that trade period. And I've been committed to this footy club for a, a long period of time. And being a, a one-club player was uh, really high on my list. So... To be able to do that and um, remain a, a one-club player and, and hopefully finish my career here, then that was that was my goal. And uh, as I said, the, it's disappointing uh, and it's going to be a different place around here for me for the, at least the first few months. But uh, that's that's football and that's AFL footy and, and how brutal it can be. So you're still comfortable with that decision because 12 months ago, Greater Western Sydney came pretty close to getting you during the trade period. If they had a, explored it maybe a little bit earlier, you may have finished your career in Western Sydney, you're comfortable in, and, and being a one-club player is really special to you still? Yeah, for sure. I, I've had multiple chances through my career to move. Uh, it goes way back to probably 2015, 16. My name was starting to get um, banded around at trade period and um, it seemed it was nearly like a running gag within my family that my name would pop up at some stage during the trade period over the last five, six, seven years. And uh, it would have had to have been a, a significant deal to, to drag me from, from this place. I love this footy club and... Uh, and I'll continue to put in the work and, and try and get this group where it needs to go. Sam Mitchell's really got his, his imprint on this football club now. You've only got to look at the demographic of the list and the average age is 22. It, it, it's, really, it's really young. Tell us about his influence because he's, he's 12 months into the role now. What have you noticed? Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with Mitch, obviously as a, a teammate, a former teammate, and then he comes back as an assistant, uh, now a senior coach. And the biggest thing I've been impressed with is his ability to... 
uh, adapt and change and, and grow. Uh, he was, as a player, he was pretty brutal, uh, very honest, and he knew how to get the best out of his players. And I think even that's changed the way you need to um, sometimes wrap your arms around these younger guys and um, guide them in the right direction instead of just hitting them between the eyes. So he's been able to yeah, change the way he's coached. Um, he obviously knows the game so well and he's, yeah, he, he would have learned a lot in his first year and I'm looking forward to uh, him driving the standards and, and taking this footy club back to where we want to go. What sort of role can we expect from you heading into 2023? Obviously coming off a year, one of your better years in the, in the second half of your career, kicked 40 goals yeah. last season. Yeah, I think it would be pretty similar. I, I couldn't imagine there would be too much change. Uh, for me, I, I've always prided myself on shots on goal, scoreboard impact, um, assists, things like that, defensive pressure in the, in the front half. So I'll be continuing to work on that, teach these young guys um, some forward 50 craft and, and try and play my role for the side. Um, if that means that I can get that 60, 70 shots on goal again and be as accurate as I have over the career, then it gives you a good chance to um, have another good year. A lot of clubs are going to go through a leadership process across the summer. Hawthorne are definitely going to have a change given Ben McAvoy has retired. Who is going to replace him? Oh, I think there's a number of candidates and one of Mitch's strengths last year was to open that leadership floor up and give guys an opportunity. There was no ceiling for anyone. Uh, it was really broaden our, our leadership base and let guys jump up. Uh, and, there, and there has been a number of guys do that. We, I think we've got now at least five, six, seven guys who uh, will be around if there's a leadership group or, or whatever you want to call it. They'll be certainly putting their hands up and, and are having significant impact on this group. So th the names that sort of probably jumped to mind initially, uh, your Mitchell Lewis's, your James Sicily's, uh, your Dylan Moore's, these sort of guys who uh, within the four walls of the footy club um, certainly have a huge influence. Just lastly, talk us through your off-season. You had a delayed honeymoon in Europe and you also had a golf trip. Yes, it, was, uh, it goes too quick, the, the off-season. Two and a half months. Uh, Ten away. weeks is not bad. It's, oh, it's a great break and we thank the, the PA for that. But uh, it does seem to go so quick when you only have three weeks where you're sort of doing nothing and then you're slowly building up. You're constantly looking for the next gym that you're going to use or which oval can we run at uh, if you're overseas or whatever. So, yeah, I was... Honeymoon with my wife Anthea was, was amazing, delayed because of COVID, uh, went through Italy and France, so ticked off some, some pretty special places for us and enjoyed some, some beautiful wine. And then, yeah, a golf trip to the States uh, only a couple of weeks ago. So I love my golf. Uh, it re reunited with a few ex-teammates, so um, Matty Suckling and Isaac Smith, uh, obviously brought up a, a premiership and a Norm Smith a few times as well. Um, Ricky Henderson, these sort of guys, it was sort of, we got the old crew back together a little bit and uh, I just love the way that they, we all fit back into the group and uh, everything just seems normal again. It's like we've been here at the footy club uh, for the whole year. So I uh, really enjoyed that. I didn't play great golf, but really enjoyed the trip. I tell you what, I like the sound of that delayed honeymoon, Josh, just going through all the wine regions. Oh, I'm just salivating thinking about the Chablis, the Burgundy, the Champagne. I mean, how delicious. Well, you were standing next to me while we were talking to him and you were picking his brains around <laughs> some of the vineyards that he went to in France and in Italy. It sounded like he had a great time and he's just come back from a trip to America with some current Hawks, some former Hawks, some greats of the club when you think about some of the premiership players that he went away with. Looked like a pretty good trip, I think. Yeah, he was talking about, I think, Isaac Smith still carrying on about 
being a Norm Smith medalist, but it did sound very fun. Now, of course, there were also some, some new additions, not just draftees, Josh, in terms of trade acquisitions at Hawthorne during the trade period. And Lloyd Meek was one of them. Can you touch on the other players that came to the Hawks in the trade period? Because I spoke to Lloyd Meek, but he's just one of many. Well, Carl Amon was the first player to move clubs during the trade period. Obviously, a free agent. He'd been chased by more than a handful of clubs and, and thought long and hard about which Victorian club he wanted to play for. And he ch- chose the Hawthorne Football Club. So he he comes back to Victoria, back to a region where he grew up in and around the, the southeast, so he returns, and he's a, he's a gun. I mean, I think that, that's a really good acquisition, especially they've been looking for a serious wingman, and they've, they've got one now. He'll compliment uh, Harry Morrison, so I think that's a really good get. He polls well in the Brownlow too. He does poll well in the Brownlow. <laughs> he's been in the All-Australian squad before. He had a really good career at Port Adelaide and left on really good terms, as we saw post that move. Cooper Stevens was the other one, Sarah. If we think back to deadline day, it was a really complex three-way trade in the end. Tom Mitchell got his trade wish. He got to Collingwood. Ollie Henry got to Geelong. <laughs> and Cooper Stevens, he made the move from Cadinia Park across Victoria to Waverley Park. Former first-round draft pick. Hasn't had a great run so far in terms of his body. Played the seven games this year. Really difficult midfield to break into, but he's clearly in their age demographic and and comes across, and I think he'll get a, a fair bit of opportunity next year. I spoke to him after he got drafted, and he, he sorry after he got traded, and he said on deadline day he was in Ireland at the time, driving with some That's cats right. teammates <laughs> across from one side of the country to the other to get to Dublin Airport, and the internet dropped out while the trade was <laughs> ongoing, and uh, deadline came and went. Didn't know what had happened. The footy world had found out that Cooper Stevens was a hawk took some time on the side of a road in Ireland and uh, he is a hawk. And we saw him out there on Thursday. He's got to work and he's been there now for two weeks. Yeah, so I mentioned I spoke to Lloyd Meek, of course. He came from Fremantle during the trade period. A bit of a tough decision for him because he loved his time at the Dockers, but of course, always sitting behind Sean Darcy and Rory Lobb. And with Luke Jackson just hanging out there in the shadows, we all knew that that trade was coming He kind of thought this probably is a good time to leave, even though he still did have a year to run on his contract. And the first thing that struck me when I met Lloyd, and surprise, surprise, he's a ruckman, but he's a big boy. He's got some serious size about him, but he's still got this baby face. So it's this funny juxtaposition between this young-looking boy on this man's body so he's really excited to be at Hawthorne he's here earlier than he needs to be but he was just so keen to get out there meet his new teammates let's hear from Lloyd Meek. Lloyd thank you for joining us firstly how are you settling back in in Victoria but also settling in here at Hawthorne? Thanks for having me yeah it's awesome to be back Um, I feel like I, I really enjoyed my five years away in Perth but I'm so stoked to be back um, around some family and friends and uh, to be here at Hawks has been an incredible first couple of weeks. Officially not yet back until Monday, but it's been so good to come in and meet the younger group and um, really get to know everyone and start building those relationships, which are so important. So clearly you're quite eager to do that if you've come back early. Take us into that decision. Oh, it's a yeah, no-brainer in my eyes, to be honest. Um, I, I feel like football clubs are built on relationships and... Sam and um, the rest of the coaching group and staff are um, really big on building that love and connection amongst the group. And so for me as a new face to come in, 
early and get an opportunity to meet a couple of guys. Uh, I felt like I'm not short on motivation, so I, I wouldn't have thought I needed any more time away. So it was yeah, easy decision. Well, talk to me about Sam, because from what I've heard, he and his wife, Lyndall, flew over to Perth and had a chat to you and your partner about coming to Hawthorne. What was the pitch like from Sam? Yeah, oh, that was they're incredibly impressive people um, and their character and all, all his values and everything that he told me about the club, which has all been true. Um, just the prospect of coming to Hawthorne was something that was really exciting and um, the stage that the club's at, I feel like I can really be a part of it and really help the club uh, grow and build. And uh, yeah, he personally is an um, outstanding character, really puts his players first and he's so fresh out of the game, so he feels like another player. Um, but his leadership and yeah, ability to connect with the group and ability to um, hold players accountable, but still you know that it's for the, the best the best interests. And um, yeah, when he and his wife Lyndall um, came over, it was sort of I at one point mentioned you guys don't have to come. Like it's alright, it's a long flight. Um, I know they're both incredibly busy, but yeah, just for them to show the the effort um, and the commitment to us and show their interest, I suppose, was um, screamed volumes before they'd even arrived. You've got such a big smile on your face right now, so I can tell that this was a really impressive meeting from Sam and Lyndall, but there were other parties and other clubs that were interested in you. Was this what sealed the deal, this conversation when they came over? Uh, it was a long process and, and there was a lot of thinking behind the scenes and um, there were other, yeah, other clubs that were also really impressive and um, it was, I think my gut feel was always heading this way and um, obviously there was a fair bit to work through with Fremantle and a lot of mixed emotions and a lot of gratitude towards the Fremantle Football Club and um, what they were able to do for me. But yeah, it's, it's, a fair, it's a fair process. I wouldn't be able to tell you how many conversations that my partner and I had um, for weeks on end, but yeah, I'm just stoked that it's all been able to be wrapped up and we're here now. There's a lot, a lot of great memories, a lot of great memories and so many great relationships that have been built. The people there are incredible and they've done a great job and I was a pick 69 um, I was a very late pick it was very much an if not where I was going to be drafted and I was pretty raw when I think about I was playing waffle reserves there for a bit and a long way off the mark and they um, they just committed to me for the whole way and backed me in and um, I had some really great mentors and coaches which allowed me to grow and I felt like I was able to just um, commit to them and, and commit to the club and therefore um, improve so yeah super fond memories and gratitude for the club but yeah unfortunately I um, yeah well fortunately now <laughs> I was able to come and hopefully get a bread opportunity. And what about this season though? The best and fairest at Peel so you must have been pretty pleased with your form but I guess also on the other hand was it a little bit frustrating that you couldn't get so much of a look for Fremantle? Yeah I'd, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't frustrating I think anyone in in the same position and there was guys in the same position with me playing at Peel that um, we were all frustrated and um, a lot of wanting to explore more opportunities and uh, a lot of <coughs> wanting to come to Hawthorne um, initially was, was based around that until I just sort of heard more about the exciting group. Um, but yeah, I felt like I had a really strong commitment to the mental aspect of the game and not letting frustrations affect performance and just being able to commit to week in, week out. Um, what have I got to do to get better this week? And um, Luckily, the performances started to click and that reflected in my game and um, yeah, that was good enough to attract interest which led to more opportunity. So probably haven't gone the easiest way about it, but hopefully there's some of that to come. Was the decision at all influenced by the thought or perhaps the potential of Luke Jackson also coming to Fremantle? Um, here and there, there's obviously a lot of whispers throughout the year and Freer were pretty active uh, throughout the trade period. So 
yeah, I, I was pretty well stuck behind Sean Darcy and, and Rory Lobb. And I suppose with uh, talk of Lobby leaving, it was Jackson coming. So it probably didn't really change a heap. In the, at the end of the day, I was still um, going to be not uh, in, in the mix, really, in the best 22. And um, I think everyone reaches a point in their career where you've got to try and st build your own career, not based off other people's injuries. So that's what I was pretty ready to do. And what about you here at Hawthorne? Because we know Ben McAvoy is gone, but there's still some competition for that first ruck spot with Ned Reeves and Max Lynch. What's your goals for over the summer? Yeah, that's the beauty of the sport is that competition's everywhere. And um, if you're not competitive and you don't love that, um, you pretty quickly go backwards. So, um, no, yeah, especially in, in the rucking space, I can't wait to, to get to work with um, the, two, the two Maxes and, and Ned. And, um, hopefully build a, a partnership together where we can all complement each other and obviously working on the Ford crafts has been a part of my game I've really committed to over the last couple of years so hopefully I can um, flourish in that area as well as keep committing to, to my ruck, ruck time. So you like the idea of working in tandem with someone else and sharing that load? Yeah I think every, every ruck's competitive and we all want to be number one and I know that the other guys are thinking exactly the same but um, at the end of the day whatever the team balance is going to work best I'll, I'll fully commit to that and fully commit to the club. And what do you make of this list? We were just looking at the age demographic of it and on average the age is 22.1 heading into next season. I think this is going to be the youngest list perhaps by some margin. What do you make of it? Yeah I think it's great to see some fresh faces after the draft in the last couple of days. I think we've got six six new guys in now which is great so they were all out on the track today and straight into it on day two which we love um yeah all of sam uh sam's pitch and mike mckenzie when they were talking to me about the group i was asking a lot of questions about uh, the playing group and um what are they like are they committed do they do extras and everything that i wanted to hear was is exactly what i found in the last two weeks this is one of the most committed young groups that i've ever seen in all of the teams i've played in in the past and um, they're young on paper, but I think that where we're working towards as a group is really exciting and everyone knows that hard work and resilience is the backbone of um, what, cre what creates great clubs. So young and inexperienced now, but I know that we're, we're on the right direction. Well, Sarah, you can completely understand the decision behind Lloyd Meek and making that move, returning to Victoria. A lot of challenges there with Sean Darcy, obviously a Doig medalist, but Lloyd had a phenomenal year in the waffle was an emergency in the Waffle Team of the Year, but move for greater opportunity. It's going to be a fascinating battle in the ruck when you think about Ned Reeves really showed this year that he could be their number one ruckman of the future. Last year, they went and got Max Lynch from Collingwood. He had so many issues with concussion and other little ailments, ailments across the season. I don't know if there is a clear number one right now with Luke mm. Mead arriving at the club. Yeah, it's going to be tricky and you'd think that with Ben McAvoy going out there, Skipper and Lloyd coming in, that Sam Mitchell does have a plan for him, but it's not that straightforward. But what we saw last year with Hawthorne is that you do need to have a depth of rucks because if you don't, you can get found out. Absolutely. They had a game in round 12 against the Gold Coast Suns in the NT without a recognised mm. ruckman. Jacob Kaczynski and Connor Nash both rucked that day against Jared Witts. It didn't end too well. So... <laughs> Uh, they definitely needed to address some more depth in that spot and it's going to be a fascinating battle across the summer at Waverley Park. And I mentioned the exit of Ben McAvoy. That means the exit of the skipper. So at the moment, they're a little bit rudderless when it comes to leadership. James Sicily is a name that continues to be bandied about when it comes to being the successor for McAvoy. How do you see it? Well, Sarah, this is going to be a topic that goes across the summer. Like at a lot of clubs, we're going to see some leadership changes, but we are definitely going to see one here because, as you said, Ben McAvoy is gone after two years 
in that role and a very decorated career. But James Sisley had the opportunity this year to almost audition for the role. Him and Jay Gromira shared the captaincy at different stages across the season because McAvoy barely played in the first 20 rounds with that neck injury. James Sisley feels like the natural fit. He's 27. He's come off 18 months out of the game and, and come back in such good form that he won his first best and fairest Incredibly stiff not to be an All-Australian. The uproar <laughs> when he wasn't selected to earn that first blazer was fierce from the Hawthorne faithful. <laughs> they didn't win many games this year. They thought they were going to have a win on All-Australian night. They didn't get it. But I feel that James Sisley is a really good fit in terms of being the next captain of the football club. Dylan Moore is another option. Mitch Lewis is another option. Blake Hardwick is another option. But in terms of the age and status in the game, I just think that James Sisley is, is a lock, really. And just lastly, before we finish up on AFL Daily, Josh, we said off the top, 22.1 years is going to be the average age of the Hawks when they run out for season 2023. How tricky and difficult is it going to be navigating next year? I think it's going to be a long slog yeah. for them. And I think that was part of the backlash when they made some of those decisions during the trade period. There was a lot of disgruntled Hawthorne supporters. But given what they got back for Tom Mitchell and Jay Gromier, I can understand it in the bigger picture. But we've only got to look back at what North Melbourne did a handful of years ago and they cut and they cut savagely in terms of experience. It doesn't always work. Time will tell. It's going to be a, a big storyline next year, Sarah. Thanks for joining us on AFL Daily. Keep clicking back to the AFL Live app and afl.com.au for all the latest in the world of footy. We'll see you again soon.